This is Recovery Revolution Live. The episode you're about to listen to is live and unedited. If you'd like to join us on the live stream, you can find us on Facebook and YouTube. Facebook.com slash Recovery Revolution 100 or search Recovery Revolution Live on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. You feeling it this week, Ashley? Or are you, you what are we thinking? Yeah, this week I like it. <laughs> Very good. All right, all right. We might have found a winner for the intro music. I don't know yet. <laughs> I'll have to look up some more maybe I'll look up some more of this artist and see what we think of him. Or we need her. to find somebody that wants to donate their their gifts, talents, and resources, and that we don't have to worry about licensing that we can Ooh, use. For, yeah. or do, we have, do we have I might, I might, on the page? I might know somebody too. Yeah. He we does recovery. Contracts. He does some sh- recovery shit. Guess nice. what? We would be able to promote it every time for them. Maybe it would be an yeah. it's a win-win. I'll reach out and then if he's cool with it, then you guys can browse his catalog. Somebody might create something specifically just for us using recovery, using recovery revolution live, like incorporating recovery concepts. Damn, that's a good idea. I like it. I like it. That's an ask. That's a straight up ask. Call to action. Heather, do you make music? Or if you can write and create, <laughs> have a friend that's great lyrically and you want to come together and, you know, your music would be on YouTube. It would be every time we had a promo, um, you'd be able to share recovery through your music. And we would share who put the song out there. And create, have a friend that's great. Okay. <laughs> we got a little, little feedback there. Was that you, Jason? <laughs> Every single time. <laughs> Quit opening Facebook, dude. I can't help it. <laughs> it does that when you want to comment, so it automatically starts playing. You got, you got to turn your volume down. Right, but you can't turn it down until it opens. Exactly. Thank you. So you have to but, mute it when you're turning it on. But yeah, hey, that's absolutely actually not true, because I could, I could access my volume and turn down my media volume beforehand for sure, so... But uh, but yeah. thanks for trying to stick up for me. <laughs> but if you turn your volume down, you can't hear us talking. Well, I can on the computer, just not on the phone. Oh, you're doing it on your phone. Okay, I'm talking about when I, I open it on my computer and I have that same problem. And you have to open it and it play to change from because we're administrators on the Recovery Revolution page. So otherwise I'm commenting uh, and not commenting on, my, on myself unless I open it and change. Uh, mm. Never mind. It is too complicated. <laughs> they don't need to know the struggles. <laughs> the struggles of a live stream. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm still getting used to this. So my I'll be happy when Amanda comes on with us. And she's the video. And she's in the chat and she can put the chats into, you know, the comments here and we don't have to monitor too. Having someone helping us out and be able to answer that way would be great. 
Amanda, when it's starting. Where are you at, Amanda? Yeah. All right. Anyway. Hi, Justin. Hi, Justin. You want to tell us a little bit about yourself, Justin? Yeah, sure. Um, so my name is, uh, I go by Justin G and I, I, I go by my nickname, Geo. Um, I got that nickname when I first moved to Florida and people struggled to say my last name. I have an Italian last name. Um, my sobriety date is January 20th, 2015. Um, I got sober through the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm also a member of Drug Addicts Anonymous, which is fairly big here in South Florida. Um, you know, 14 years old, I was in a car accident. I was prescribed opiates at the same time, started drinking and smoking weed, and, and my progression pretty much kicked in from there. Um, struggled with addiction for 18 years. You know, now I'm a little over seven and a half years sober. Nice. Congratulations. Yeah, Thank you need you. like an applause sound effect or something. <laughs> hold on, hold on. I got one. I got well, it's out too late now. No, I'm just kidding. I've there you never, go. I've never heard of the program. That is awesome. Organics Anonymous. DAA, yeah. Yeah, they have it there in Texas. Um, Didn't it start in Texas, I believe? It might, it might have. I think um, so. I should know this because I'm actually, uh, I have a very big service commitment here in South Florida. Um, but yeah, it's here. It's pretty big here in South Florida. I think we had a meeting up, up there by you, Ashley, that shut down. We're trying to get it reestablished, um, you know, in that area, you know, COVID kind of killed some of the meetings. I thought at first you were, you were joking and you're like, yeah. there was another fellowship that you were just <laughs> utilizing. Oh. I didn't realize that it was actually a, you know, yeah, it started in Dallas, Texas. Yeah, I believe the DAA USA did. Um, it originally started in um, Switzerland, oh. and there was a um, woman who was a meth addict, and she got sober in Alcoholics Anonymous, but she felt like the alcoholics couldn't relate with her, so she got permission from the general service office in uh, New York City to use the 12 steps and use the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and she started it over there, and it just started taking over in Europe, and then it worked its way here. Um, it's, it's really big here in South Florida. So they use they use the the big book. Yes, that's what they did in CMA when I first started my recovery. It was my first service commitment was at CMA, you know, Crystal Meth Anonymous, and they, mm -hmm. that was the literature that they chose to use. They did have some pamphlets and such mm -hmm. that were strictly meth, but and they like adjusted some of those reedy readers that you know beginning announcement readings preambles preambles yeah well the preamble is one of them but then there's how it works and you know okay all that they change like slightly change the language and all those for meth but yeah it was just all big book and it worked great just to I've change a couple of words anonymous. <laughs> anonymous either that's a new one yeah there's actually i heard there's actually chap uh chapstick anonymous in like arizona for real? That's what I, I heard. I've never looked into it. Um, there's like a hundred and something 12-step fellowships, so I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, there's, there's a lot. I mean, I've heard that chapstick is addictive, too. <laughs> we got to find a chapstick addict to be on the show. <laughs> oh, I have one for you. It's my wife. I hope she's watching. <laughs> <it>. <laughs> 
Beautiful. I need some time. <laughs> my lips are dry, but my purse is way over there. So that's funny as hell, Brad. <laughs> Dude, every like every ten minutes. It feels good. And then she's like, "Well, it's because my lips are always dry." I'm like, "It's because you use chapstick." No, no. Yeah, your body becomes dependent on it. Some people are just dry. I naturally am dry. I have dry skin. Dry. I haven't used chapstick since in two days, and my lips are chapped. So it's. There is new shit. <laughs> <laughs> or in there's recycled shit that's just under a new name. Yeah. yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah. All right. So I want to know more about you, Justin. And, you know, you, you told us a little bit briefly, you know, I know okay. you're an author in your book. Thank you. How did you get here? Like, what brought you from where you were to today? Okay. So, um, you know, like I mentioned, I struggled with addiction for 18 years. And there was a couple periods in that 18 years where, you know, I try to get sober on my own. Um, you know, I did the whole thing where trying to stop drugs and just drink, trying to, you know, smoke weed only, uh, going to AA. Um, you know, one of the first times I went to Alcoholics Anonymous, I went in there and, you know, I didn't really understand the whole, um, you know, traditions and respecting the fellowship I'm in. And I went in there talking about my opiate addiction and I had some old timer yell at me and kick me out. Um, you know, I tried a Christian rehab, um, you know, but, you know, at the end of the day, my addiction always won and my progression always got worse. Um, and, you know, a little over, I'd say around eight years ago, um, you know, my addiction had gotten really bad and I ended up committing some crimes and I had been in trouble with the law before and I landed in jail. And um, I knew that I was going to go back to prison and it was going to be my third time in prison. And when I went to jail, the night I went to jail, um, this girl that I was dating, her family stepped in and they told her to, you know, go to treatment and they're going to take her kids away. And, you know, I go to jail, she goes to treatment. And while she's in treatment, she's writing me from this rehab and she's telling me how great things are. And she's telling me all the things she's learning. And when she gets out, she goes up to a sober living where we're, where we're at. And she starts going to these young people's meetings of Alcoholics Anonymous. And, um, my father ends up, you know, bonding me out and I start going to these meetings with her. And it was the first time that I kind of felt like I fit in. And as far as a fellowship, because, you know, I had a bad taste in my mouth, um, earlier for AA, but this time going to these young people's meetings, I was seeing that not only were the alcoholics, but they were addicts as well. Um, you know, I kind of dragged my feet getting a home group and getting a sponsor and I wasted some vital time. Um, I eventually got a home group and a sponsor, but you know, I relapsed shortly after that and I tried to hide it from everybody. And of course the progression kicked in and things got worse. And um, I started using every day again, but I was still going to meetings every day. And you know, of course my addiction won and I committed more crimes while I was on bond and I land in jail and I know I'm going back to prison and things are not looking good for me. And um, while I was in the county jail, they had this drug program and I signed up for this drug program. And when I signed up for it, um, you know, I still had like a little bit of hope that I could maybe get sober and recovery was possible. But at, in the back of my head, I just I didn't think it was possible for me. I thought I was too far gone. And, um, 
you know, while I was in this program, I was kind of taking it half serious. And um, my lawyer comes and sees me one day and she's like, hey, I have your offer from the state attorney. And I'm like, okay, what is it? And she's like, well, the state attorney is offering you 30 years day for day habitual felony offender in the state of Florida. And I looked at her and I said, well, I'm not taking it. And she looks at me and she's like, well, by law, you have to get this. You're going to, you're going to get these 30 years. And, um, I remember thinking my addiction took me too far this time and there's no coming back. Like my life is over. And I go back to the dorm and I call that girlfriend and she tells me that, you know, her and her sponsor had a talk and that me and her are toxic and she needs to leave me. So I'm like, well, good, because I'm getting 30 years. So there's going to be no relationship anyway. And I hang up on her. And then I call my parents and my mom wasn't talking to me at that time, but my dad was always there. And my mom answers the phone and she starts talking to me. And she says, hey, listen, your lawyer just called here. And I don't know what she said to your dad, but your dad had a heart attack while he was on the phone with her and your dad's on his way to the hospital. She's like, you probably killed your dad. Don't call back here ever again. And she hangs up on me and there's only one more person I can call. And that was my youngest son's mother. And I call her and she says, listen, um, I just talked to your oldest son's mother and both of the kids are acting out at home and they're acting out of school. And you did this again because you're going back to prison. And she goes, don't call back here to get your life together. Stay out of these kids lives. Mm -hmm. And she hangs up on me. And I remember I'm like, wow, you know, my addiction took me too far this time. There's no coming back. I'm getting 30 years. And I said, not only that, but I have no one to share this bad news with. Like I've pushed everybody away. I said, mm. you know, my addiction's taken me too far this time. There's no coming back. And I remember, you know, walking up to my cell, I was going up the steps and I started planning my suicide. Mm. And, um, I know this jail really well. I know how to get away with it. And, um, you know, I go in there and I, I, you know, lay down in my bed to kind of try to like, you know, kill some time until count time and count time was from six o'clock to eight o'clock. So I, I was waiting for six o'clock so I can go do it. And while I'm sitting there, I get this like little calm, uh, you know, peace over me. And it was like my own voice saying it to myself, but I was like, you know what? Um, you know, your dad might not die. And if he doesn't die, then you kill yourself, you might be the thing that kills them. Or if you do kill yourself and your dad does die, then your family's gonna be planning two funerals in one week. Mm -hmm. So the 30 years is not set in stone. You haven't got sentenced yet. Just wait and see. You know, I can watch my kids grow up through their visitation. I can watch my kids grow up through pictures. If I get to 30 years, it's not the end of the world. And that was enough to kind of talk me out of the suicide. So, you know, from six o'clock to eight o'clock, like I mentioned, it's count time. And, um, you know, at eight o'clock, the doors pop and they had an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, a volunteer came in. So he starts the meeting and then he asked if anybody wants to share anything. And this was the first time I ever got honest in recovery. And I shared where I was at. Um, I told everybody how I was planning to kill my, you know, kill myself. I told him about the third years, how everybody gave up on me. Mm -hmm. And, um, as soon as I got done sharing, there was another guy in there and, and he, he raised his hand. He asked if he could share and he looked at me and he's got tears coming down his eyes and he's like, bro, he's like, I'm going through the same thing. This is my fourth time going to prison. They're offering me 25 years mandatory. He goes, everybody gave up on me last time. The only person I had in my corner this time was my best friend. And I screwed him over before I came in here. He goes, I have nobody. And he goes, I think about killing myself every day. Um, 
you know, as sad as it is and strange as it is, um, I felt connection in that, yeah. you know, and then, um, the volunteer came up to me afterwards and he asked if I would like to work the 12 steps. And I said, yes. And, um, he told me that we were going to meet in a chapel every Wednesday and we were going to go through the 12 steps. Um, so Monday rolls around and my counselor comes in and he's joking with us and someone says, Hey, what are we doing for group today? And he says, it's powerlessness week. Mm -hmm. And someone's like, well, why are we devoting a whole week to step one? And he looked at us and he said, well, if I can get you to do step one and you do it hundred percent, he says, I guarantee you'll never drink and drug again. So I hear that. I raise my hand and I said, so you're telling a hardcore junkie like me, if I do step one, hundred percent, I'll never, I'll never drink again. And I'll never drug again. He goes, yes. So, you know, I told him I'll pay attention all week and I paid attention all week. I started uh, step one with my sponsor on a Wednesday and, um, you know, I realized in that, in that drug program when I was facing 30 years and everybody left me and I was like at the worst state I could be, I surrendered to the fact that not only am I a drug addict, but I'm an alcoholic as well. And, um, you know, my step one experience, I just remember sitting there and feeling peace at the fact that, you know, I realized I had to stay in recovery for the rest of my life. Um, you know, while I was in there, I was in that drug program seven months. Um, I ended up going through the steps. It took me about three months to go through the steps. And I, they kept me on as a mentor. Um, and while I was in there, um, you know, like right as I got to step 12, I remember looking at my sponsor and I'm like, well, what's next? And my sponsor says, what do you mean? What's next? Now it's time to go start helping other people. Mm -hmm. And I looked at him and I'm like, well, I'm, you know, I'm going to prison. I'm an inmate. I'm like, who's going to want me to help them? And he said, don't worry. You know, me and Chaplain Dave are going to get together every Wednesday and we're going to pray for God to put people in your life. You can help. So, uh, well, fast forward, uh, shortly after that happened, um, I had emergency hearing. They rushed me off the court. The state attorney was trying to give me 30 years. He, he handed the paper to the judge to give me 30 years. The judge asked me if I had anything to say, you know, I said a little prayer. I spoke from the heart. Um, you know, I started telling the judge for, for once that I was putting my recovery first and I was changing, you know, I told him I, I committed the crimes and I was guilty and I take, you know, accountability for my actions. But, um, if there's any way he can have some leniency on me. So the judge takes a recess and, um, he comes back and he says, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'm giving you six years in prison followed by four years probation. And, um, so shortly after that, I got sent to prison. And as soon as I got to prison in Florida, the prison systems, it's, it's drugs everywhere, uh, alcohol everywhere. The officers don't care. It's like one big party. And I jumped right into recovery right away. Um, you know, and there, the Alcoholics Anonymous meetings and Narcotics Anonymous meetings, they're kind of mixed together. Um, you know, but I, I got involved. I started chairing meetings right away. I started sponsoring guys while I was in there. I was sponsoring three guys at one time. And one of my sponsees suggested that I go talk to this drug program and see if I could start teaching this drug program while I'm in there so I can earn my hours to get my, uh, to get my CAC. This way I can work in treatment when I get out. So I start talking to the clinical director and, you know, she offered me to be a inmate a group facilitator and she would sign off on my hours and I start teaching this drug program while I'm in there and I find out that I'm kind of good at it. Um, needless to say, uh, one of the counselors talked to somebody and they heard my story and my story gets, you know, passed around and this organization hears my story 
and they wanted to certify me while I was in prison. And then, so I hear about that and then, you know, comes the financial part of it. Um, I wrote another organization. Um, they paid for it. No questions asked. And after 16 months of teaching this um, program in prison, I got presented my certified addictions counselor. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it was, um, it was pretty crazy. It was definitely to me a God thing because, you know, that yeah. door can never be opened again um, the way it happened. Wow. And um, so we'll fast forward a little bit. Um, you know, I, I do four years in prison. My last 11 months I did um, at um, a work release program, which is kind of like a halfway house. Um, so I got connected with my sponsor right away. I started going to meetings. Um, I get out of prison after four years, 11 months. And um, I got I got plugged in right away. And, you know, I don't know, I started working in treatment about two months after I got out. And I got very involved, you know, COVID, COVID happened. A few of us started some meetings. Um, that's when I started that, the drug addicts anonymous meeting, which is my home group. Um, you know, I stayed pretty involved and around that time, um, I found out my dad had stage four lung cancer and, you know, I got to be there while my dad went through that and he passed away. Um, I stayed sober through that. I got to be there for my family. Um, you know, then shortly after that, I got a promotion out of work. I went from a group facilitator to a therapist. And then shortly after that, I got, um, you know, I felt like God was moving me to another facility and I went to another facility as a therapist and I started getting into trauma work with some of the clients there. And I really got intrigued by doing trauma work with them. Um, I started doing a lot of research and, and through my research and because of my foundations in 12 steps, um, I seen a very big correlation between a fear inventory and trauma work. So it kind of intrigued me more. I started doing more research, um, you know, and I'm like not boosting my ego or nothing, but like a lot of people would come to me and just were like drawn to me about like the stuff that I was teaching. Um, you know, I'd have people message me outside of, you know, outside of the 12 step fellowships and outside of treatment. And they'd message me and ask me if I would do one-on-one -on -one sessions with them. And, you know, it was kind of overwhelming, but I was like, what do I have here? Like, what is it about this or what is it about my education or my knowledge? Like, what is it about this that's, you know, helping people? Because it's, to me, it's information that's already out there. And um, I had a few people tell me to write a book. So, you know, that was like kind of pushing through my fears is, you know, I wanted to write a book. Um, but my fears were that it wouldn't get published and it wouldn't go nowhere. It wouldn't help anybody. So, you know, that was part of my journey and my growth was pushing through that fear and writing that book. Well, and if you don't ever write it and you listen to that fear, <laughs> it, it never gets written. And it, you're, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yes. And I say that like it's easy to, to face <laughs> fear and continue. But, I mean, fear is literally paralyzing and it holds us from ever accomplishing anything even if there's a one percent chance or a two percent chance of something happening if you stay paralyzed and don't take the chance it's a zero percent chance it's ever yeah. gonna happen yeah so. man it's just crazy how things went though where it was like every call you just started making phone calls and <laughs> every call it was like another piece of your world crumbled or mm -hmm. you know 
this imagined, you know, like these are the things that matter to me, but you maybe didn't even know until the moment happened that everything was just already only hanging on by a thread and they were like, done, done, done. And you're just like, you know, the big book talks about that incomprehensible yep. demoralization mm -hmm. where we have become like the scum of the earth, like the lowest bottom feeding life form. Like that's a, that's a tough spot, bro. And just, it's amazing how it worked out. I, I love it. I love it. Your story is so cool, dude. Like, well, thank you. Yeah. You know, I can attracted to you and the trauma work and the wanting one on ones. Why do you think it was? Um, because I've been through it. But number one, there's, I always say this, there's nothing more powerful than somebody saying me too. Like mm -hmm. it's the most powerful phrase. Um, but the other thing is, is that it's something that's not being done in a lot of treatment facilities. It's not being done in a lot of 12 step programs. Like trauma is not being acknowledged and identified and worked on. And um, there's a lot of symptoms that affect your life going forward. You can live your life perfectly and be triggered um, mm -hmm. because of unresolved trauma. You can vicarious trauma can send you into PTSD. Like there's so much. And so you are giving them knowledge that they weren't getting anywhere else. And people identified with that. I mean, hundred percent of people have dealt with trauma in their life. Let's be real. Yeah. Especially now yeah. after COVID, there's hundred percent. Um, you think about like holistic wellness, right? And like, that's what recovery is about. And we have to address all of our needs, not, you know, you can't just put down the drugs and alcohol and expect like life to be great. You have to address your past. You have to process through the things you've experienced and you have to be able to grow from that stuff. And that, you know, trauma work is a huge part of that. And to your point, everybody has trauma. Everybody has trauma. So, I mean, it's, it's funny because this is exactly why I think there's so many people stumble is because they don't this doesn't sound fun this doesn't sound like something you want to do you got to be that desperate you know that gift of desperation that you had yeah and i'm grateful for that today and, and it's kind of funny you bring up the word incomprehensible de demoralization because that's the same word my sponsor says over and over again yeah. um but i remember in my early recovery and i mean it was just going through all that in the very beginning it was just emotional turmoil but I remember one of the guys bringing a meeting into that county jail and it was like November. So everybody's always saying, you know, gratitude is the topic. And this guy says, real gratitude is when you're grateful for the bad things that happen in your life. Amen. And that really intrigued me. So I went up to him afterwards. I started talking to him about it. And one day, like a few years later, I'm sitting there, I'm meditating on my journey and I'm thinking about everything. And I was like, you know what? I'm grateful for all that because it got me to where I'm at today. Yep. I, I had the same experience, man. When I worked the steps, I said, man, this is weird. I was like the same shit that made me want to kill myself. The same stuff that made me hate the world and feel like a victim and then hate myself for what I was doing and all that. It's I was I just felt so blown away that I felt mm -hmm. like those were gifts, right? Like yeah. all of that was a gift. 
uh, and it put, you know, you were talking about why trauma work, you know, why you were so good at it. We were kind of touching on that. And it, I'll tell you why, dude. It's because in here, in recovery, the more fucked up your life was out there, the more valuable you are in here. Mm -hmm. And the more trauma that you've been through in your life, uh, different types and stuff, each piece of that puts you in a unique position to help somebody with that unique problem. So if you have, you know, a lot of traumatic shit more than most people, then that just means that you can help more, more people, you know, like it's just, it is, it's all a gift and it, God will use it, man. God will use it. Amen. Oh, and yes. Let me, let me stop just to be clear. You know, I, you know, ambiguity. So every experience you've had can be a benefit and a help for others if you address it, work on it, learn from it, and grow. You know, if you're stuck or you haven't processed it or you haven't done the work, it can be really detrimental in this industry too. It it can, you know, if you're not willing to do the work, learn. Right. It can be really damaging to people. So, you know, I think it's important that people know everything you've been through has the power to really save people's lives. And it's it's a benefit and it's a strength. Right. But you can't wield it unless you, you know, develop those muscles in order to be. Yeah. Like, but I thought that we were pretty clear about that. But definitely it's good that you just like enhance that piece because without the healing <laughs> then you don't achieve that level of gratitude you don't feel grateful for those things you can't wield them uh in this space and help people with it because when you talk about it you'll lose your shit you will crumble you know i remember when i first got clean boy i couldn't talk i would have have mental nervous breakdowns i would be weeping you know hyperventilating maybe even <laughs> uh, sometimes and you know it's it's crazy that when you get that healing you can you can speak about it and you can be okay with it like you've accepted it, you've come to some sort of peace with your past mm -hmm. and those weaknesses are what makes your story powerful and that's that's the greatest part too is when you know when you can't make your words come out right and when you don't you know, practice what you're going to say in advance. People know that what you're saying is the truth and it's mm -hmm. the truth and reality and admitting, Hey, I don't know everything. I'm, I've struggled in this area. I'm, I'm telling you the stuff that I've, <laughs> if I was practiced and polished, I would have no effect. You know, it's that I sometimes don't know the word I'm looking for sweat when I'm talking like that makes me a real person I'm not you know scripted and it, it reaches people because guess what they struggle with those things too and they yeah. believe their voice isn't powerful because they sweat when they speak or they mm -hmm. stutter but that's what made them notice you is because yeah. they also stutter and they're like well he's up there doing it and and then that's hope and that's that's the gift Amen. I you know, if you're speaking from the heart, you know, as Gio said, you know, he said a prayer and he spoke from the heart and the judge gave him 
so that's a lot of leniency you know uh what a blessing man and it probably didn't feel like a blessing i mean in comparison to 30 year thing it's like oh fuck yeah but it's still like four years is four years like that's a long ass time right well but what did you do you went in there and you you uh utilized the tools at your disposal and you made it a positive experience where you could grow and be of service instead of you know turning to the partiers over here and doing that deal Mm-hmm. So it's kind of funny that you bring that up. Um, you know, I've told a few people the story, but um, after I got the six years and four years of probation, I remember and I'm sitting there and I was at peace and I'm like, am I in shock right now? Like this is the most time, you know, I've had two other prison stints before this, but this is the most time I've ever had. And I'm sitting there and I'm trying to feel like if I'm in shock, like I, I, I was handcuffed so I couldn't pinch myself. But I remember um, the lady, she had brought me over the officer and she's fingerprinting me after, you know, the judge sentenced me. And I'm sitting there in my head kind of wondering if I'm in shock and I hear like this calm voice. It was it was my voice. And to me, it was God. But it said, no matter what you go through, God's going to be with you. Mm. And I was like, okay, you know, like when I first came in, um, I did not think God would get me sober. My faith in God was very minute. You know, so I went from one extreme to the other and it was total dependence on God. And, you know, that's what got me through. That's what got me through my my prison stint um, and remained sober was God and, and my big book and sponsoring other men. Absolutely. Yeah, I didn't think I'd ever know God. I would have, I would have laughed at you if you told me that I would find a relationship with Jesus Christ. I would have thought you were on crack. (laughs) I would have been like, "What are you smoking, man? Why aren't you sharing it?" But uh, you know, I think that's why they say, you know, you got to be open-minded, right? Like that's part of the how. It's you know, I just stayed open to what came as I continued to follow suggestions and. Yeah, it just changed uh, my trajectory, and it, and I ended up finding God. So it was a blessing. But you know, if you're not there, that's okay. You know, it's not the only way, right? Well, and it can look different to everyone. Like what somebody sees God as, you could see it, it one way. God to somebody else might be she. It might be like it might be something else. As you know, mm-hmm. yeah. So might well, I always. Here. I always say, like, if you think about it, because when I was younger, you know, when I didn't believe, but for some reason I was curious and I looked into, like, lots of different belief systems and stuff. And it's, like, all the same, like, principles pretty much run across the board with most of those belief systems. So I just think it's, like, the same God just different cultures and, and like areas of the world, geographically, whatever, you know, different representations of the same thing, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I don't know. That's just kind of my base belief. So I can smudge with my native friends. I can do sweats and I still get a very spiritual experience out of that. Mm-hmm. Just like I would when I pray or, or if I'm a, you know, doing anything that, you know, meditation, whatever, it doesn't matter. It's a spiritual enhancing, you know, enhances my spiritual life. Then I think it's of God, you know, it's just, it is. That's my, what I think. Like you said, you know, there's so many linkages between the different religions. Um, There's Mm -hmm. a lot in common. So there's obviously some things that, 
a lot of people agree are the truth. And there's a lot, you know, I don't think anybody has it all right. I don't think anyone has it all right in any subject, probably. And okay. you can go down and speak about everything and no one knows everything. So right. you know, it, it is how you take it and what you do with it. And, mm-hmm. you know, the experiences and how it benefits you personally and your relationship with however you want it to look. That's the great thing about life is we're not in these boxes. We're right. told it has to be this way, that this is how it's going to turn out. Like, just like you, your lawyer said, you have to do this. You're going to have 30 years. Like he told you how it was going to turn out. He told you exactly how to do it. And most people would have believed that that's exactly how it was going to turn out. And that was the only option. And that wasn't the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So good for you for, you know, taking a chance. And that's the worst that would have happened is you might have gotten 30 years. That would have been awful, but that's what you would have gotten if you believed him. So going and telling the truth, what would you have had to lose? That you had everything to gain. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think about it, too, because, bro, at the rate you're going and with the things you've already done, and I don't know if you've already uh, felt the tug or if you will to go back inside the walls to help incarcerated people. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I could see you doing that, man. And, and really, you know, spending a pretty significant amount of time back behind the walls, but this time you can leave again, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm actually, um, so currently I have one year of probation left. Um, it's awesome. Um, it's kind of funny because my probation officer is actually trying to help me get back in those walls to go speak to people. Um, you know, she's mentioned, uh, you know, going to speak with drug court and helping other people. And my sponsor, um, he still goes inside and, and he brings the meetings in. Um, until I get off probation, I cannot go back in. But I do a lot of uh, service work for the treatment committee. Um, that brings in, uh, j- uh, excuse me, meetings inside the jails and institutions. Um, you know, so I'm just waiting for my turn. But that's my dream is to go back in there and tell my story and and, and show them that it's possible. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I wasn't sure how that works in your state, but I know here it's the same thing. You can't be on paper of any kind to go behind the walls. Yeah. So I got a ways to go before I can go back behind <laughs> the wall. <laughs> I'm in the same boat, similar boat. I mean, I wasn't looking at 30 years, but it was like 11. Yeah. And, uh, I got sentenced to 20 years probation. Oh, wow. Uh, so I didn't have to go to prison, but I had never been to prison before either. Mm-hmm. Uh and so I've been, I mean, I've already like three years ago, I completed all the terms of my probation. I've been reduced three times in levels. So now I'm like at the minimum. Yeah. I, don't, I don't even have to really check in anymore. Uh, and, but I do have to like write a letter at least once a year to the judge. And every time I do it, which it's probably more like two or three times a year, I do it. I, also send it to like the um my council to the the da that uh 
was working my case to and to all of those probation levels the people that i worked with because mm-hmm. i don't know what it is dude like my whole life i looked at those people as like the enemy mm-hmm. like they just want to see me rot they want they want to lock me up right and like throw mm-hmm. away the key and that's how i always felt but like this time was different and i yeah. felt like these people were a big part of my recovery journey mm-hmm. man you know, and because I think I continue to be open with them, they really, uh, they were supportive, you know, and I don't know. It was just a completely different experience. This, this whole go around with through the legal shit and through, through trying to get clean was for me, it was totally different, you know, and that was like over six years now. So I'm, I'm doing something right. I was kind of fucking up actually. So it's probably been like seven years because I was I wasn't like totally clean right away, but I was trying, you know, like really trying at it and being honest about it when I would slip and stuff. But so I can promise were, the system hasn't changed in that time. There's one thing that's changed in that time. But just the other times when you thought the system was against you. <laughs> the system is exactly the same today that it was. You oh are changed, and and we have uh, they get burned out. They have hope that rehabilitation is possible, and mm-hmm. then when they see stories that it's not, it's it burns them out. They get excited yeah. when they see that rehabilitation is possible. It gives them purpose to their work. Um, so Thank Thank what you, you do is giving them value too, and it's also you know it keeps the whole thing together. So I mean, there's a powerful thing and. You know, Justin, I'm gonna, you know, advocate a little bit and try to push you to advocate for yourself. If your probation officer is telling you you should go back in there and help others, have her put it on paper. Ask her, is there steps I can take that you can support me while I'm here to get steps in place so that I can do that when I get out? Because once you're off probation, the services that they can offer you are no longer there. So if if they can get you legal help to be able to make the steps easier or barriers or you know, if she had, she might have resources that you don't know, and she just never really thought about it or really thought you were serious. Um, and even if she doesn't, or he doesn't, your probation officer, just the fact that it's on paper that they think you're doing well and that you could be of service to others that are struggling um, will help you if you need to go for an exemption for, for like to become a you know certified peer. And I live in the same state as you. I, I know the struggles um, and how hard it is employment wise with the record. And, you know, like these are things that you can use to advocate for yourself later. The it documents, you know, if a probation officer is willing to say you should trust him, judge is going to listen. They're more likely to listen mm-hmm. or grant, you know, even a pardon one day. If, if, if you go and you have all these people that are saying, well, we really need him to, to, give whatever he's got to these others, it's gonna make a big difference. They're more willing to support somebody that sees this all the time and isn't willing to advocate for everybody. Yeah, that's a good point. And I, I will actually, um, by as soon as we end this podcast, I'll send her an email. <coughs> he has to give status updates on you. Like there's paperwork, yeah. I'm telling you, there's reports <laughs> on you more than you even know every activity. So it's like, if, if it's just a matter of, Hey, can you document that? You know, she says you really should do this. Hey, can you document that in my paperwork for me? 
Damn right. Yeah, 59 times she's told you in the course. And that's powerful. That's a paper trail. Yeah. Dude, I love it. You make a suggestion and Geo <laughs> follows the suggestion. <laughs> this shit really is that simple, folks. <laughs> I mean, dude, that's how we all got to where we're at. You know, we followed some suggestions and that's it. I don't need to know what the fuck I'm doing. I just need somebody that knows what the fuck to do to tell me. <laughs> and then I got to do it. Not yet. Yeah. Follow suggestions, man. Let people help you help yourself. One well, ask. I mean, there's like, we're all helping people, right? Like we all want to help somebody. Is, is there not like a self-esteem like boost when someone needs help and, and you're able to help support them? Like, do you think that probation officers or community members are any different when you ask for help and they can help you? That is a self-esteem boost and it makes them feel needed too. It gives them mm -hmm. that endorphin and, you know, purpose and yeah. self-esteem stuff too. They're people too. So sometimes you just need to ask and, you know, there's no shame in asking for help when you've done a lot of work yourself and you're trying to do the right thing and you want to help others. There's nothing wrong with saying, Hey, I don't know what to do next. That I want to help my sponsor, my sponsor me. always said, closed mouths don't get fed, Jason. And I was like, oh, right on. He said, sometimes you get to be of service, and sometimes you get to be the service opportunity, mm -hmm. man. People normally just don't think about it. That's, you know, and we think that they see it, and we really, and, and they mean to. It's not an intentional. It's just like, they see it differently. Like, there's people I see all the time that I think have their lives together and need don't need my advice so i don't give it to them and you know i come back later and they're like oh you said this and it really resonated with me because i'm struggling with that and i'm like you have it all together and i'm like hot mess express like how did that help you but you know it's people don't know what we need unless we tell them that's right ever <laughs> yep. that's how we got to where we were is we were ashamed we didn't know how to ask for help. Yeah. So yeah. other than writing a book, Gio, other than writing a book, what other uh, like positive changes have you made in the process of your recovery? Oh, boy. Um, well, I would say that I'm a better father to my children today. Um, so you are back in their lives. Yes. Um, we, That's you know, amazing. when I when I first got out of prison, my younger son was, he was okay. He adjusted, you know, fairly, fairly quick. Um, my older son kind of just sat back and watched me to see how I, you know, if I was going to go back to drugs every so often, he'll ask me a question, you know, Hey, do you think you're ever going to drink or do you ever think you're going to do anything? And I tell him, you know, I can't speak for the future, but as of right now, no. And I'm going to work this program one day at a time. And the goal is long-term sobriety. Um, you know, my oldest son, he did make me a grandfather recently. I have a six month old granddaughter. Congrats. Thank you. So, um, you know, goal with that is that, you know, my granddaughter or my grandchildren will never see me, uh, yes. drunk or high. Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a good goal. You know, I'm engaged today. Um, I'm in a good, healthy relationship, which is, you know, was for, it was very foreign to me at first. Mm. Um, I'm a therapist in the treatment center. Um, I do a lot for the, the community around here. 
you know, people praise me for being selfless, but that's just the way that I was taught what the program is. Um, you know, my sponsor is very big on me staying humble, um, yeah. you know, not to boast and think that I did this, you know, to remember where my roots are. Um, you know, and I just, I just keep moving. Um, you know, hopefully fairly soon, um, my boss is opening up another facility in Illinois and he was talking about something in the works with me kind of traveling with him. So that would be kind of cool just to kind of travel with him and see what recovery is like in different areas. Hell yeah. Dude, that's awesome. See, I'm the same way, man. I, you have to ask me specifically about stuff and then it, it's like you opened a whole can of worms. Cause I'm not, <laughs> you know, I'm my primary purpose every day isn't to go around and like, you know, pitch myself or build my brand or well, I don't even know how what people say these days. It's, you know, I'm not trying to get famous in a fucking anonymous program over here. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I have a responsibility to do, uh, to say yes to the service of opportunities that are put in front of me, you know, if they're offered and if they can help somebody and they're not, and they're not going to probably hurt anybody, then I have to say yes, you know, and like, I've lived by that rule since day one and I've been able to do some really fucking cool shit. And you know, these things that I never would have thought I would do. Right. Like, did you ever think you would be an author, bro, or a therapist for fuck's sake? No. No. <laughs> no. So and, and there's a difference too. you know, being humble is important and that it's, you know, imperative, mm -hmm. but there, you can be proud and still be humble. You can say, I did the work and I, I worked hard and I, and, and still be humble. Um, and that's, sure. so a lot of times, you know, you should be proud, um, but you I'm can proud. still be, hum you know, humble and, and go back and help others and remember where you came from, but mm -hmm. being proud of the work that you've done to where you got today. Cause you're an example for others. Gio like, looks proud. One day too. <laughs> Um, and you know what, that's something that, um, I have to work on is, is, you know, accepting those accomplishments and, and being proud, you know, just cause I don't, I don't want it to get to my head. You know, um, Jason, you were saying something like about promoting your brand and stuff like that. And I'm the same way, you know, I, I do a lot of self-promoting to get my book out there. Um, but I hate it cause I feel like I don't want people, you know, to look at it as if I'm pushing it for profit. Right. Um, you know, this month is September it's recovery awareness month. And I did, um, a promotion I worked with Kindle to do, to give my book away for free. Um, the Kindle ebook version, and it's like over a hundred and something books have been giving away in the last six days, you know, and I'm more proud of that than the book sales. Hell yeah, you know? bro. Just cause I want the message to get out there and I know what it's like to be on the other end and have no hope and be totally broken and not really understand which way to go and kind of scared to jump into recovery because I'm scared it won't work. And I remember what that's like. And I was like, you know, if I can get that message to a couple of them people and then it spreads, you know, that's more people that we have on this side. And the more people we have on this side, that's a chance to get more people saved. Absolutely, man. Yeah. No, I, mean, I, I love it. Yeah, there's no shame to like giving your book away for free is great. And there's a lot of people that can benefit that aren't able to afford it or, or might not read it otherwise. But there's also, you know, having a donation page where, you know, where you're 
you know, saying, hey, I'm giving it for free. But if you read it and you support what I'm doing, here's mm -hmm. how you can help support others who can't afford it or get the books in other places or um, there's, you know, then you're able to do both. And you're, you, you know, there's a, there's a time when there's people that do have the money to support the work and, and do want to support good work. So give them the opportunity to support you. That's that's not that's not changing your mission. That's that's expanding it. Yeah, that's a good point. And I, I wanted to say, by the way, when you were saying it was something you had to work on, I was like, in my head, me too. So <laughs> I'm, you know, sometimes it's a lot easier to give advice than to, it's, it's not as easy. as Yeah. <laughs> so I understand that it's, you know, I'm afraid of having a big head or forgetting what's important or, you know, and sometimes that's a detriment to myself. And no, I, I feel what you're trying to do though. And I, I mean, I don't, I can only speak for myself, but I appreciate that because I need to be reminded that, you know, like, yeah, you have changed, you know, and yeah, mm -hmm. you're doing good things and you should be proud. But you know what I love about this, all of this stuff, you know, we're, we all have all these amazing things we've been able to experience in recovery. And it's like, that is a process of delayed gratification, right? We had to work really hard to your point, Ashley, to get it. And when we experience these things that we've experienced throughout the journey, it's like when you feel that kind of pride, that's real pride, not false pride. So it sticks to your ribs like comfort food, right? And that's mm -hmm. good stuff. That's good stuff, Maynard. So thank you, Ashley. Yeah, thank you. Well, and I mean, I believe rehabilitation works. I mean, I don't advocate for, you know, free passes because there's, but I do believe that people should have a chance where their life isn't, doesn't have barriers when they do come back. So right. um, there's a big difference too between no accountability and you deserve a second chance. You don't deserve for, you know, how long are you going to be punished? You shouldn't be punished your whole life. Like, you know, there's, and when we get to that point, it, it benefits everybody because, you know, people like you deserve a second chance. Our communities need people like you. They need people like Jason. They need people like Brett, Jared. Like our communities desperately need that. So sometimes it's okay that there's consequences because, but, you know, you know, I don't want that consequence to cost you the ability to help someone later. So no. as far as advocacy for me, that's, you know, I don't want you to have to struggle later because of something that happened during active addiction and you're not that person anymore. Um, or you can take that experience and help somebody else. Like, I don't think it should be a barrier forever. Um, and I really appreciate stories like Gears because it shows that rehabilitation is possible. It shows that there's hope for even, you know, somebody facing 30 years because of a crime they admitted they did. There's hope that they can be a productive member of society that's helping people, that's bringing more benefits to the community than someone that's never been in trouble. Is that not a message we want to spread? Oh, uh -huh. yeah. Well, it's like I always tell people, man, it's like, 
miracles are real and i expect miracles today because i get to see miracles around me all the time you know mm-hmm. listening to geo share his story wow like what a bunch that's such just a bunch of miracles and he's a walking miracle and he's he's working miracles in other people's lives <laughs> with by sharing his miracles and dude i love that shit how it works like that you know I mean, you just have to be, once you open yourself up to like wanting to grow and, you know, stepping into that fear, like Ashley was talking about earlier. Oh boy. You just, once, once you take these actions that you don't really know if they work or if you believe in them, uh, you get results you can't deny. And then there's no turning back after that. It's like. I'm on fire now for this shit. I've been on fire for this shit for seven years. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I love it, you know? But it started with that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to, all right, <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> and here we are. You know, it's just awesome. So. Is there anybody on this panel right now like that can say they thought their lives would look like it does today? They're capable of what they're doing today. Yeah. So yeah. anyone that's listening that yeah. thinks, oh, well, you guys are different or you're the exception to the rule or um, none of us thought we we're an exception to any rule. Um, we didn't believe yeah. it was possible for us. So we, I mean, I didn't. If anybody that, that knew me, like, yeah, no. Nobody would have thought that I would have did it either. You know, it's not just me not believing in myself back then. It's, I mean, I just was a hard-nosed junkie, man. I was all about it, and I didn't really give a fuck if you liked it or didn't like it. Like, there's the door, motherfucker. Get out, you know. Uh, Stop blowing my high, you know. That was the way I was. I, I don't know, you know. It's... That's one of them God things, you know, it's like that heart change. What, you know, unbelievable. So, so truly grateful for the chance to live a completely different life, you know, two completely different lives in one lifetime. It's like, yeah, it's a gift. It's a, it's a gift for sure. And that's the gift of being grateful. It's like one of the few gifts that's like, the more you look for it, the more you seek it, the more you find it's like most gifts run out and they're like finite but gratefulness the more things you look for to be grateful for the more you find and that's like the coolest thing ever hell yeah yeah that's one of the things i really like um you know when i'm working with my clients that are in early recovery is watching them and watching you know how excited they get is like they get one thing that they're grateful for then another and then they just it's like it's like a trail of breadcrumbs and they sit there and like they like today I was talking with a client and he was telling me that, you know, he was at a meeting last night and, um, you know, after he left the meeting, it got him thinking and he he lives kind of fairly close to the water. And he said that he took one of my suggestions and he went to the water and he was praying and meditating. And he said, as soon as he opened up his eyes, he sees two dolphin 10 feet away from him in the water. Wow. And I was like, you know, that's it. And I was like, you know, those are the things you got to keep looking for. Look for them every day. Look for something to be grateful for every day to keep you going. Mm-hmm. 
And, um, you know, I remember looking back as I'm talking to him and I'm like thinking of my journey in early recovery when I had those things. And Jason, like you said, you know, I've been on fire ever since. In the beginning, I came in and I did not think it would work for me. Once I started putting in the work and seeing the changes and feeling the changes, you know, I got on fire and I haven't stopped since. Yes, sir. I love it. My, my sponsor was like, when I first started out, you know, I struggled a lot, especially once I was hitting like six month, nine month year, because at that point, not only was I still struggling here and there with certain things, thoughts, feelings, but now I add entitlement onto that because I was feeling like <laughs> I deserved to a little bit of respect. I deserved overnights with my son. I deserve this and that and the other thing, you know, like, look at what I've done. And he used to tell me, like, the world doesn't owe you shit, dude. Mm -hmm. He's like, you know, to, he's like, that's what the fellowship is for. We will celebrate with you. But to the rest of the world, you're just a, another fucking junkie that should have got his ass, you know, straightened out like years ago. You should have <laughs> did this. You should have did this 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I'm like that's freaking harsh, you know, at the time. But I mean, I get that now. And I love, you know, to your point, working with newcomers, because it's a good, it's always a good reminder. And, uh, you know, I'm one of those uh, people, you know, I'd say lucky individuals now, but maybe before I would have said cursed uh, individuals that has a lot of different kinds of tr really deep trauma in my past. So I can, pr I can relate with like most people on, on the level that really fucking destroyed them, you know, personally. And mm -hmm. as a result of that, you know, it's just been, it's been, a, it's been a blessing, but dude, I, I mean, it was a road to get there. You know, you gotta, you got to go through it to grow through it. And I went through yeah. a lot of shit, you know, and a lot, and I, every mistake you can make in recovery, I made probably 10 times already. You know, I've always learned the hard way, just like I did when I was an addict, <laughs> you know? Yeah. How many times am I going to run my head into that wall before I realize that, you know, when I do that, it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, my sponsor, he, he tells me I grow at the speed of pain. He tells me the same thing. How many times oh. are you gonna do it over and over again before you just surrender? You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then that kind of doubles back to what you were saying. He did when he was like, "We're gonna spend a week on step one because if I can get you to do that, yeah, dude." That's what uh, in Minnesota there's a saying in the rooms where they say there's only you can't work the steps perfectly. There's only one, and if you work that step perfectly, you're gonna sustain your recovery, and that's the first mm -hmm. step. Yeah. And if you do it right, it, it's not an easy one. It takes a long time. And you might you might come back and oh yeah, a I lifetime. Mean, a lifetime. Yeah. yeah. When I was fighting for my kids, that was one of the things the judge asked, you know, what step are you on? And I'm like, uh, well, <laughs> like you've been in recovery for a year. And I'm like, Well, I'm just gonna tell you, like, it it's hard to give up power. <laughs> And then take it back to say life is unmanageable and then like control, like I've given it up like several times, but then I take it back. And so I can't honestly tell you that I've mastered that yeah. in all honesty um, and be telling you the truth, which I believe is important now that I'm in recovery. So, and she's like, no one's ever, you know, told me they spent 
a year, you know, on the first two steps. It's, you know, and she's like, she believed I was actually in recovery because I was honest about how hard, you know, doing it was because I was trying to do it right. Yeah, that's right. And I was so nervous to answer that question. I wanted to be like, <laughs> 10, I'm going through the second time. And like, and it's, she's like, I hear people say that they're in recovery all day long. She's like, and you're the first person I've ever believed. <laughs> and I'm the isn't one it, isn't it funny like, how you, you can feel like you're going to answer it wrong. And yet, <laughs> you know, again, it's back to that. You, you were honest. You spoke from the heart and that, that earnest response, that's like, they know, they know you're telling yeah. the truth that you're really doing, really trying hard, you know, and that's what it's about, man. Just get, you gotta be able to let yourself be seen so that people can understand where you're at and that, you know, people can work with you where you're at if you let them know where you're at. Yeah. You know? Good job, Ashley. I just love you guys. I love you guys. I'm so stoked that we, you know, this shit just freaking trips me out. (laughs) You know. It's just, you know, when you start doing the next right thing. And, you know, that's one of the hard things about recovery and its costs. You know, a lot of people is that they they get so excited and it is exciting. It's hopeful. There's hope, but not every day is great and not every day feels like you won the lottery. And there's days that, you know, you're not exactly grateful, but you still make yourself before you go to bed. You think today was a shitty day, but I'm grateful that I'm alive. Like it's it's not like, oh, I have a perfect life. Like recovery is not going to magically make life not life but you're able to have the skills and the coping mechanisms to deal with life on life's terms yeah it's amazing life is amazing when you let it be yes yes you got to take the good with the bad like you said you know it's shit some days i'm like you know what i can't do people today i'm not feeling (laughs) fit for public consumption i'm fucking not yeah i just need some time and that's all right too you know but but if every day was perfect would we appreciate it you know you would not no you wouldn't experience the levels of joy that you do without having to go through pain or sorrow or sadness right Uh, yeah i mean like think about if you weren't facing 30 years would your story be as impactful would it be as big of a miracle um would it that day probably felt like, you know, when you're going and facing all that stuff, you couldn't see what it looks like today. Like it was probably, you know, I yeah. always said this was the worst day of, you know, I don't say that now, but you know, it's like, this is the worst day of my life until the next worst day. But <laughs> like I had a lot of great days in between. So it's, it's one of those things that, that, that moment felt like the end of the world. And we were saying how it almost was, it almost cost you your life. And, um, but was that day the end of the world? No, it was the beginning of my journey. Right. Perception and patience. Yeah. So Gio, if I reach out 
to you, can I buy a copy from you personally so you could sign it for me? Um, so, I mean, we can make that happen. I don't have any personal copies now. Um, I'm, I'm about to order some, but I can make that happen. Awesome. I would love that, man. I would love that. Yeah. What he did for me is I ordered it on Amazon and he sent me a thing to, to put inside of it. So that's an option too. Yeah, but I hate those things. I feel <laughs> like that's so impersonal. You know, it's like well, he wrote I, a letter on it and I just taped it inside so you didn't have to mail it to him and then him mail the book to me. So I ordered him on Amazon and then he Well, just that's cool. At least it had a personalized message because usually <laughs> it's just their signature and then they call it a signed copy. Like I bought uh Danny Trejo's book. Yeah. Uh, which was a badass book, by the yeah. way. Um, but I bought it off of this thing. Is like a website called like Premier Collectibles or something, and that's all they do. They like sell autograph shit. But it's you know, the only cool thing is that you can do this online uh, Zoom meeting where you can submit questions in the chat and basically listen to them talk. You know about. The, the book you know writing process or like whatever and some other shit but you know they're just talking about the story a little bit and whatever so it was cool it was like him and that donnell guy that uh did the actual writing for him on there and i got to sit through that they didn't address my question my question was that i wanted to know if you'd be a guest on the way out podcast <laughs> well first i related to a story and then i closed it out my little paragraph with like i would love to have you on the show nobody read my question nobody did shit. they read all these like super like you know basic questions yeah and they didn't even read mine i was like well that's lame and then yeah, but then when you get the book, it's just got one of those things stuck inside. It's like, hmm, fancy. <laughs> You're supporting them, too. If you order it on Amazon, when you have people actually order it, it helps, um, you know, especially if they give you a re review, it helps it be more visible for others. Well, I'll review it. I just, you can't review and it. I'll buy it. And I said I'll buy it. Well, that's what I'm saying. So that way he can send you a personalized message. He can write it on a piece of a whole long, you know, <laughs> book if he wants to do that you tape inside of it and have a personal message but then it benefits and you're supporting him you're getting your personal message and you're supporting the mission you can write a nice review about how impactful the book was and on your life and meeting him was on your life and when winners all the way around and then he, he just, <laughs> i'm bad at getting stuff in the mail especially if i have to go to the post office that's just me personally um <laughs> thing in an envelope with a stamp i can drop it you know, anytime, anywhere almost. So that to me is like doable. Not that I'm an author, but I would never get to the post office during post office hours to send anything. So like, Ashley, you're not an author yet. Yet. I know that's a lot of work. Like it's I coming. So I already can feel it's coming. A multi-volume series. Yeah, dude, I know, right? She's so quiet when you first meet her. Now. She's got stuff. She's got good points. She's but got really good things to say. If you guys are looking for a copy of Geo's book, I linked it on the yeah. Facebook page. So there's just a little link you can click on. Boop, it'll take you right to the Amazon page. Awesome. Thank you. It's and great. He's got the book for recovery month, you know, on Kindle. If you read it on Kindle and you like it, buy a copy and support him. 
you know, if you have the money and leave a review. If you don't, post on Facebook that you read the free Kindle copy and what you thought about it and share it. Um, there's a lot of ways you can support somebody and, and, and some of them are free and a lot of them are really easy and it goes a long way when you get enough people doing it together. Yeah, well, I appreciate you guys. And um, I ran a seven-day promotion, so tomorrow is the last day that it's it's free, but it's going to be half price um, after that on regular Kindle, and then it's going to continue to be free on Kindle Unlimited for the month of September. Nice. Awesome. Well, man, thank you for all the work you do, brother, and I, I just think it's so great. Wow. It never gets old seeing somebody find purpose, right? Like in this, you you start off, you just want to get your act together or, or you know, whatever, not want to die. And then now you have this purpose in life and you just keep on finding new ways to fulfill that purpose and walk in your purpose. So God bless your journey, brother. And I hope that you continue to, and you can help so many more people. And I know you will. Well, thank you. And, and the same to you guys. And thank you for having me on the show. And thank you guys for what you do. And I live in your state. If you ever want my support for anything, um, oh, yeah. just ask, please. Yeah, Flor definitely. And same. Floridians. <laughs> Fucking Floridians. Ashley's a good person to know. I have friends that I've helped that I can't, you can't always say that you've helped them because everybody has struggles and yeah, it's, it's nice to be able to help somebody that deserves it, you know, when they need it. But like I said, it's it's hard to know um, a lot of times. And sometimes I forget too. like I'll have something on my mind. I'm going to do this. I really want to do this and surprise them. And I'll realize it's been like a week and I'm like, crap. I mm. supposed to do that. And I like everything urgent came at me and then I just forget. So if somebody doesn't ask, um, then... <laughs> Or follow up, like, I don't have any problem if they follow up and say, hey, you said you were going to do that and you didn't. Um, normally, I'm like, oh, crap, it wasn't intentional. Like, I'm so sorry. Like, let me do that now. Let me, how can I, you know. Then I try to do something even more extra because I really wanted to show up. You know, I wouldn't have said I would if I didn't want to. Mm -hmm. I would have just said no. So, yeah. I would gladly show up for you and be proud to support you anywhere. Well, thank you so much. And the same. Floridians, we have a lot of, you know, stuff we've got to overcome. So we got to. <laughs> yeah. Florida man is not helping our cause. <laughs> no. And being the number one state for basalt overdose is still like. I know. That came out on the CDC. Like was yesterday. Yeah, it's bad, and they're putting fentanyl and everything too, you know. Mm. Well, that's everywhere, yeah. But I mean, I thought yeah. we were past bad salts, but no, not in Florida. Florida. You guys got some weird shit out there. <laughs> Crocodile, whatever it is. That's well, it. Florida man, have you ever seen that? That as a podcast or whatever, and like you see the memes everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I listened to the Florida Man podcast. <laughs> Is that the old dude? Is that the old dude? The crazy one? I listened to one that's like four guys from Florida that. That's the right one. Review like yeah. 
the crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they talk about like, you know how like there's people that talk about stuff that only happens in Walmart. This is like the <laughs> it only happens in Florida. Yeah. Like, Walmart gotcha. version. <laughs> and there, there's a there's a meme that's going around where you're supposed to search like Florida man and then your birthday. And you, oh and yeah. You post like the first article that comes up. I think mine was Florida oh. man assaults ex-wife with pizza. It was something to do with assaulting someone with pizza, but I can't remember exactly what it was. <laughs> it's good stuff. Interesting. And we like keep giving them evidence for this stuff. Like they put out this stuff. <laughs> Like it would never happen, and then like, there's like more, and then you know we have people that like the basalt thing. I mean, like, come on, people! Like, <laughs> we still haven't gotten over the fact we can't count during elections. We we still have all these. <laughs> it's we're we're not known for being a smart state. Like, stop <laughs> giving them more proof that we are Florida. <laughs> <laughs> Duh. <laughs> Just kidding. You guys are the proof that it's smart state, man. Yeah, we just got to get some of the, the logic <laughs> to quiet down. Hell yeah. Awesome. Are we ready to wrap it up? It's been great having you here, Justin. Yeah, Thank you. Thank you guys Thank so you, much Justin. for having me. Yeah, thank you. This was fun. It sure was, man. I always like dread Thursdays, like as bad as that sounds, because it's like a really long day and it's exhausting. But like, I'm always grateful that I'm here. Um, yeah. At the end of the day, like I always get what I need out of it, and it's always something different. But it, mm-hmm. I'm always like, I'm running late because I dread up, oh, and then I'm like, oh, I didn't put makeup on. Up, oh, I didn't do that. Like, I would have always used that as an excuse not to show up before or to turn my camera off, but I can't turn the camera off. Um, (laughs) Like when I show up, I get what I need. So it's like, well, it's like my sponsor always says, man, like the best, the best times are the, when you don't feel like going, Yeah, you need to go. And then he was say he always says you'll go limping in and you'll come skipping out. <laughs> and I I I love that shit when he says that it's a good one. Yeah. But yeah, I feel the same way. I feel y'all hundred percent on that, Ashley. I mean, I'm usually pretty tired by this time. You know, it's this is my bedtime. Like right now, it's two minutes past my bedtime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but not on Thursdays. No no no. I can't even go right to sleep after this because I'm all jazzed up from the recovery <laughs> talk. I love it. Yeah, and I was like, oh, we should do it earlier because we did it later because Carl and he's in California and his work schedule. And I was like, ah, but I'm always late now. Like, if we made it earlier, You'd I would be have screwed. Probably, yeah, I would be, yeah. So I'm like, I, I probably no, I'm not there. asking for that though, just to be clear <laughs> at all. No, I'm me neither. I'm just, I'm just saying, I've thought about that before. I'm like, oh, I'm so hungry. It's, it's so late. Like, why are we starting so late? Like, then I'm like, if it was at five, I would mm. never make it. I would have an excuse all the time. If right. it was at six, it would be during, you know, something like. Even the way it is now, sometimes I'm still at fucking work when we're supposed to start doing it. Mm. So it's like, no, no, this is pretty good. This is like the sweet spot time because we can do 
we could do a solid two hours with some people and it's still like it's only nine i'm not getting gypped on sleep by any means i'm just like getting old i think so i get tired like grandpa status but we're not feeling that (laughs) (laughs) i'm still pretty spry (laughs) you're just in vegas yeah that was fun but do you even know the Saturday we slept from midnight until wait for it two in the afternoon. I do that too. Like we literally because I kept waking up and she was sleeping, so then I just sit and then I had to doze back off, and she did the same thing. And then we were like, whatever. We we got some good naps and we didn't miss any of the events that we had to go to. You know, we like did all the stuff, all the things. So it was good. I mean, I'm glad we slept that long. Obviously, our bodies needed it. We don't get to sit in quiet with no kids and no pets and no work and no phones freaking ever. So we went to comatose land for a little bit. <laughs> That's what you needed. I guess. There's time for a whole day, like 20 hours on a weekend. Like, but like, oh, how do you do it? You know, you don't get much sleep during the week. And I'm like, yeah, I crash when I crash. So I'm like, your body's going to get it somewhere. um, Right. Well, it's like that night, you know, we stayed up really late and then we got up early in the morning and we were running and gunning all day, you know, on Monday before we caught the plane that evening. And then we were up. Once we got home, her daughter woke up, you know, when we came in and then she was, she's seven, you know, she was all excited and happy that we were there and being cute. And she would not go back to bed till like, <laughs> till like two or three or something in the morning. But I didn't know. Cause we, we said she could lay with us. And then I guess I've passed right out and I was snoring. So then she was like, mommy, I can't fall back asleep. So then they left. But I was out. I was fucking I out pictures. for the I saw your pictures and I was like, like it made me sad because I'm like, there's so many great pic- people. Like, I've, how many times do you see a picture with that many amazing people that make you so happy just to see a picture of them? And it's like, I should have gone, but then I was like, I'm like, I knew I couldn't because, you know, I'm a hibernator and I'm speaking this weekend and then our conference is the next weekend. And I'm like, I cannot put myself like as much as I wanted to go and be there, be around everyone. I was just, it wasn't what was best for me at the time, but I was super bummed. But I got joy out of seeing your pictures and seeing y'all together. I am glad that you did. I know I was a little, I was a little sad when I seen the pictures of the, like, cause I was there with them, with the bus. Mm. And the next day, Danny Trio shows up at the, next day's mobilize event and there's all all of them are posting all these pictures of danny trio and i'm thinking fuck because if i would have been there when danny trio showed up i could have talked to him i could have got to know him i could have let him know Mm -hmm. how this book touched me his story touched me i could have maybe i could have got him to be on the rrl maybe i could have got him to be on the way out or recovery survey well he's just a person and no i know but like he only signed you you know he only put his name in your book um justin's gonna write you a whole paragraph so i'm i'm grateful that we gave justin the spot no 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 offense (laughs) um hey but but hey 
it's you know I, I we are not playing the comparison game because comparison is a thief of joy i'm not comparing i'm just That's saying <laughs> be grateful for the opportunities you missed because it gave you other ones you got to sleep you know maybe danny wasn't the person you were meant to meet hey you don't know that you don't maybe that. maybe you're meant to meet him later but i, I mean yeah. I want to meet the. I want to meet them all. I want to meet all the cool people. So they're. They were all just like us. Yep. Yeah. And I, they are all just like us. It's flesh and bone, buddy. Flesh and bone. Well, and you know, if he really is the great person in the book, that maybe somebody that's listening knows him, yeah. or somebody that's immobilized knows that he's one of you know somebody that you really want to get to know or that you wish you would have signed your book and maybe he'll reach out to you via email <laughs> let's 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 put it out there so you can reach out yeah. to you via email oh, yeah. nice paragraph go ahead give it to jason thank you What's your email? <laughs> but if he's listening or somebody you know man you, you just never a, know you just never know right but they need to know if, if it's going to happen you got do you have a email from the way out Oh, dude, I am so easy to find. It's not even funny. You're easy to find for you. For somebody that doesn't know you or any of your friends, they might not know how to get in touch with you. Here, wow. if Danny is listening, my Danny, recovery resolution email, it's, I think it's Ashley at recovery. Is it what slash, not slash, yeah. uh, the little dash revolution.org. Brett's is Brett. There's mine. You just gave us personal. I was trying to protect you so we could, but okay. That's yeah. what I use. I'm not going to make 10 different fucking emails. For <laughs> I didn't want to give it out. But I already have the way out podcast one, but that's linked to Charles as well. And like, if somebody wants to reach out to me, I want them to have that one. Not the way out one because I'm not gonna probably get the message. Charles will get the message. So Danny, I mean, he's very a big fan. He wishes he would have got to see you the next day. If you can reach out to him at the email. Much but, love, but, brother. <laughs> appreciate it. And Hell Brett yeah. would very much appreciate it. And Justin would very much appreciate it. And Jason would very much appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> so if you know out. him. Or even if you don't <laughs> an email, if we if we get enough people to write emails to him, somebody's gonna take notice <laughs> to reach out. So let's make this happen because I want to hear about you're this. a freaking mover and a shaker, Ashley. I like, <laughs> I like your style. I don't want you to be upset. You missed the opportunity. I'm gonna give I'm you not, your own opportunity or experience. <laughs> We're gonna eat dinner. <laughs> You're shithead. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's see if we can make this happen because it's, it's <laughs> this stuff happen that seems impossible. <laughs> right, Brett? It's fun. We got the. I think Life is there. Were, I, I'm. I'm. I'm recalling that there was somebody that used to watch the show pretty regularly, and I can't remember his name. That I think said that he goes to the same home group. As Danny Trejo, and I'm trying okay. to remember who it is. I'll brainstorm. Hey, if you know Ryan, happen. and Ryan knows Danny, like reach out to Ryan and ask him if he'll, you know, do a favor. Or if you 
don't know. Anybody else that knows them, just ask for a favor. Right. Well, I mean, I don't want to harass people, so I don't harass them for you. You're not. You're not. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. I've I've reached out to the man numerous times myself. So I mean, I don't need to ask other people. And then it's not like I'm hiding it. I've talked about this actually a few times now, uh, on like between my two shows, this show and the way out. So you know, it's out there in the fucking uh, universe, man. Like. It's out there. Don't you worry. And I'm not upset because God's going to pr- provide what God wants to provide. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm just going to take what he gives me, man, and be grateful for every bit of it. And I'm not, I'm not upset that he's hard to get a hold of. The dude's a freaking superstar. I mean, I'm sure he's got a fucking bunch of people that like handle all of his PR social media all that shit and runs it through filters and who am I I'm just some random ass dude right so like that's why I don't give up and I talk about it and I'm just like damn he was there though I was like fuck (laughs) I wish I was there (laughs) you hear me ask for favors or ask for anything I ask for shit all the time. I'm asking, how often do you hear me ask? I'm asking the people that are listening for them to help me make this happen for you. And I don't ask for much ever. So even if you you put it out there a million times, this is me asking this time. And if I've showed up for you or if you've been impacted in any way by me, I I please would appreciate if we can make this happen for Jason. Hey, so you guys want to hear a funny story about Danny that kind of helped me in my early recovery? Yeah, definitely. All right. So when I was in that drug program, they showed us like a DVD of, of his story. And um, his story is kind of like mine. He met his sponsor, um, his second uh, stint in prison in California, and they had the three strikes you're out. So he knew if he didn't get sober that he was going to end up you know, going home and then coming right back on his third strike. So he ends up getting this old timer that's bringing Alcoholics Anonymous meetings in there. And one day he walks in and he's struggling and he's mad about, you know, the way the prison system is. And his sponsor told him, he's like, he's like, you know, that song zippity doodah. And Danny says, yes. He says, well, every time you start getting mad, just sing the the words, uh, sing the song zippity doodah. He's like, there's no way that you can be mad at the world and sing zippity doodah at the same time. And for some reason that stuck in my head. So when I was having the hard days in prison, I would just be walking around singing zippity doodah. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that shit was great. Yeah, right. <laughs> another one like that. Like, how can you be mad when you're singing Akuna Matata? Yeah, right. right? <laughs> totally. I mean, it means no worries. <laughs> Right. It's like the greatest song ever. And we forget about it all the time. And it's, mm-hmm. it's a happy yeah, yeah. song. That's good shit. <laughs> I love that story. I, was, yeah. I think we should, we should end with that story. Cause, and we're, I don't want to sing Zippity Doodah, but it's. Sing it. <laughs> sing you got to sing it now. Sing it. No, I don't sing. But. Let's sing it. I, I don't know the song. Don't even lie, bro. <laughs> go, Ashley, go. No, and I, we could play it, but license DJ Disney. I don't know the song. Sorry, you don't know as a No, I'm a child. 
Yeah. That's a good song. It goes, which one was zippity it? Zippity-doo-dah, a My, oh, my, what a wonderful day. Plenty of sunshine headed our way. Mr. Bluebird on my shoulder. It's the truth. It's <laughs> actual. Song of the South? Everything is satisfactual. <laughs> it was in a cartoon, I believe. Yes. I can't remember what I think. Me neither. I think that's the only Disney movie that they removed Maybe from Poppins. their catalog. Is it in Dis- is it Zippity Doo Dah Disney song? I thought it yes. was. It's from Song of the South. I just Googled it. Song of the South. South. It's a Disney movie? Yeah, it's not it's not in their catalog anymore. Oh wow. Because it because it was one of the ones that got canceled. Stuff. Well, they do the vault thing too, like and they leave something in a vault for a while and then they bring it back out. Like so it's yeah. more. No, they canceled a bunch of shit. This one's gone, but I, I have a copy of it. I've never watched it, but I, I have you it. You have a, a hard copy drive of somewhere. It? I have all kinds of movies. On so now you drive. just admitted that you're a liar. <laughs> you said, you, said you don't know the song. I've never seen it, but I have a Bullshit. copy of it. <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> I've never, I've never watched it. I've Sorry. never heard of Song of the South, and I live an hour from Disney. Just... <laughs> all right, Tweety Birds. I'm googling it. Yeah. What the song? No, movie. You're, you're absolutely right. I just sang it for you. Well, I know what the song is, but I didn't know the movie. I'm googling. Yes. Well, so I guess we should. I know oh, my yeah, let's run, let's run this. Uh, let's run this promo that Jr. has for us for the uh, Recovery Challenge 2020. It's only eight seconds. All right. Yeah, don't forget to submit pictures for the recovery challenge 2022 with a photo of you and a sign. <laughs> Jason already did it. I haven't done it yet. Yeah. Do it. It was cool. Do it. All the cool <laughs> kids are doing it. Do it. Do it. Just do it. All the cool kids are doing it. I can't remember which song we did for the outro, so whatever. that was the one. Was it? Well, okay. two weeks ago that was the one. I don't know. I, I need to like label these songs so that I know what's what. Um, anyway, if you guys uh, are watching us on YouTube, please be sure to subscribe to our channel. Turn on notifications so you know when we go live, which is every Thursday night. I need to update that picture so it has Jason on it. Um, it's an old photo. Missy Carl. Um, if you guys would like to send us a message so this isn't just a one-sided conversation, you can leave us up to a three-minute voice message at speak-2.us slash RRL, and we can play that on the show. Hey, Jason, don't you have uh, a podcast? I do. It's called The Way Out Podcast, and it is uh, we share powerful recovery stories, and we also do episodes where we unpack recovery power topics uh and it's a it's a blessing to be a part of it check it out and then if you want you can check out the way out playlist that's got the same visual the same logo uh but it's just the way out playlist instead of the way out podcast and it's only on spotify that's a curated list of uh our guests and their picks for songs that remind them of their recovery 
Hey, can you send me a link to that? Because I've looked for that playlist and I can't find it. For reals? For reals, for reals. Oh, man, I got you. Songs is on that playlist. I'm going to put it in our chat right now. Do buddy. it. Do it. <laughs> <clears throat> I also have a, a podcast, a little solo podcast that I do uh, every Wednesday. It's called Recovery Survey. Similar to the Way Out podcast, my library is not quite as big as Jason's library. Um, but there's a hundred some odd episodes, um, different recovery uh, topics and speakers and whatnot. And uh, yeah, I'd appreciate the support. And we also release the audio version of the show we do here. Um, so if podcasts are more your thing and not watching all the video portion of stuff, you can also listen to the audio version on your favorite podcast podcast player just search for recovery revolution live um ashley does not have a podcast of her own yet but i'm sure she will at some point after she finishes her book <laughs> um, well and uh, so recovery revolution has a web page too so oh www.recovery-revolution.org excellent point i need to add that to the uh to the closing slides oh look there it is Ha! I didn't forget. Yeah, if you don't put the dash, it takes you somewhere else completely. You so gotta, and it has gotta do the dash, yes. And it has do all the podcasts it. that Recovery Revolution hosts on their page. It's their Facebook page. It has information. Um, it's got everything. Everything. Mm-hmm. Everything. Oh yeah. Yep. yep. And like we said earlier, if, if you're musically gifted or you want to share, like we are all for help um musically um we're also definitely in favor of helping jason meet danny one more time i'm asking and yes yeah, <laughs> a miracle happen i will be you'll be my hero if you make whoever makes this happen you'll be my hero and carl fessenden is trying to call me right now should i answer it and he misses you <laughs> harley <laughs> all right everybody it's been a good night have a, a great rest of your night. It has been a good night. Thank you to everybody. That yeah, go ahead and answer, Carl. And... Yeah. Uh, I got to plug in my phone. Let's 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 throw him in here on the closing. Here we go. He just said wow to the texting here. Yeah. Hello. Hi, Carl. You are live on the <laughs> Recovery Revolution live live stream. Wow, what is going on, guys? What's up? What's I didn't up? know you were still alive. Like it's it's been a long time. I know. Where have you been hiding? I, I just got done having lunch here at work. Lunch? Lunch? I know California is like a couple hours behind, but lunch? Carl, <laughs> you know Danny? Nice. Carl. Yeah. We're, tra- we're trying to you know track Danny? down Danny Trejo. Uh, well, he was just here in California. But well, yeah, I mean, yep, we were talking about that. Yep. Do you have any contact uh, information or know anybody that has contact? No, um, I thought Leonard when we did the uh, the show with Leonard. Leonard. Leonard knows him. I thought so. Okay. Well, thank you. That's useful information. If he does know him, I, I can get in contact with Leonard. Yeah, because Leonard is our Hollywood guy. He's the guy that's in, in with the movies and stuff, right? Yeah, him and uh, 
Oh, why am I blanking on her name? It starts with an A. <coughs> Abra. Yeah. Nailed it. I, I think Nailed so. It. Abra and Leonard. Yeah, they're part of the recovery Real Recovery Film Festival. Yeah, and I think that um, the he knows Danny Trejo. Wow, cool. All right, we need to yeah. reach out because he needs to. He needs to email Jason. <laughs> good man, how you been? I'm good, brother. I'm good. How many How many viewers do we have on right now? Uh, we're down to one. One moment. <laughs> oh wow! Is that? Oh, it's Carl. No, I think there was one when you called. Oh okay, okay. They don't stick yeah. around for the for the closing comments. Well, it doesn't oh, yeah, show no, that's, YouTube live because I was like, man, I know he's still on the air. <laughs> well, it's good to hear your silky voice. Oh, well, I appreciate that, brother. I appreciate that, man. So for the Drunken Club podcast, just so you guys know, we have uh, three or four guests a few months. So we're, I'm starting that back up and we're starting to put episodes out for season two. Uh, we're going to have Quentin Mendoza on from 707 Diving. Quentin is also a person in long-term recovery, and he started a youth diving league here in Solano County, so that's going to be really awesome. Um, I got nice. one of JR guys from Costa Rica. He's coming on, and he's going to be talking about the new program that's down in Costa Rica to support recovery and all the efforts that they're doing down there. And uh, I'm going to have Dr. Jay on the show, and we're going to be talking a little bit about SoberCoin. Nice. nice. Well, your logo is currently on the screen, so everybody can see the Drunken One Podcast logo. Yeah. I appreciate that. Man. I appreciate that. Yeah, I kind of took a little hiatus when I started this new job, but um, I'm glad you guys are putting more content out there, and I'm happy to be uh, live on the show right now, man. Hell yeah! Happy to have you. But I'm I'm gonna let you I'm gonna let you guys go because I have some of my coworkers in here. All right. All right. Have a good one, bro. All right, brothers. I, I love all you guys. Later, Carl. You have a nice night. Right. Bye. Bye. I'm going to go Surprise to... Surprise appearance from Carl. Pimpalicious. Yeah. All right. All, all right. It's been great, everybody. Thank you guys for having me on. Good night, everybody. Hell yeah, man. Thank, Thank you. you for coming. Yeah, no problem. You guys have a good night. Thank you. Good night, everybody. Remember, progress... Not perfection. Not perfection.